I want to try to preach a little while this morning about the calling, uh, the calling from God. Now, there's two main areas I'd like for us to look at this morning. First of all, the most important call is the call of salvation. And then there's the call of service. Now, it's in a way, it's kind of hard to separate them. I believe if you're really saved, you will serve God. But there's different areas of service, and not everybody is called to do or to be the same thing as far as your service. Yet, the calling of salvation is a common call. The Bible calls it, I didn't say a common cold, I said a common call. And the call of God is, has a common faith. The Bible even calls it the common salvation. Amen? Every one of us has the call of God to be saved, and there's no difference. One In the book of Galatians, the Apostle Paul says, for whether male or female, bond or free, uh, we're all one in Christ. Amen? So let's look at verse, the call of salvation. In 1 Peter, or rather 2 Peter, chapter 1 and verse 10, as we, I think by now most people acknowledge that there is a calling to be saved. Amen? I believe Jesus said, or, or it's in the book of Revelation, that many are called, but few are chosen. So you could apply that to salvation and service. But let's look first at salvation. In 2 Peter 1 and 10, Wherefore the rather, now, when you begin a sentence with using the word rather, you're contrasting it to that which came before. So, verse 9, if you want to back up a little bit, but he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was once purged from his own sins. Wherefore, the rather, in other words, in contrast to that, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fail. Now, the first eight verses tells you what these things are. There's basically seven of these things. But I don't want to preach about these individually you can you can read those later but the bible says to make your or give diligence to make your calling and election sure in the book of hebrews chapter 11 and i i forget which which verse it is but it says he that cometh to god must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I believe our salvation is going to need some diligence. Amen? Diligence. Diligently seek him. God said to seek you the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him 
while he is near. And considering the call of God, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. Many are called. Amen. Matter of fact, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The whole world is supposed to be preached to. The many people that are in this world are being called. Amen? But few are chosen. Who are the ones that God chooses? He chooses believers. Amen? He chooses believers to come into the family of God, the kingdom of God. So God wants you to be sure that you have not only heard the call, but that you have obeyed the call. Listen, obedience is part of it, amen? I'm preaching about eternal salvation. How can you get eternal salvation? Now, I don't want a part-time salvation. Some people act like they're in one day and out the next and in the next and out. Uh, that's not salvation. That's confusion. But eternal salvation the Bible says Jesus is the author of eternal salvation to a certain group of people. Amen. Not just the Jews, not just the Gentiles, not just the Baptists, not just the Methodists. Who are the ones that have eternal salvation? The Bible says to those that believe and obey God. Amen. He is the author of eternal salvation to them that obey him. See, obedience is part of salvation. In the first chapter of Romans and in the last chapter of Romans, the apostle Paul spoke about the obedience to and the obedience of our faith. Faith. The Bible faith will produce Bible salvation. Bible faith will produce obedience. Bible faith will produce a life that's pleasing to God. Paul also, also talked about those that believe unto salvation. Some people are what you might say, make-believers. Some people are half-hearted in their belief. It's all the way or nothing. You either go all the way with God or you don't get to be in the family and the kingdom of God. All right, so we are to endeavor with our heart, with our mind, with our soul, with everything we've got, to be a follower of Jesus Christ. We, uh, there's a song that some people sing and some people don't sing. It's called, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. How many of you ever heard that old song? It's in this book. <laughs> they say, it's in your Bible. Well, that's in your songbook. I've decided to follow Jesus. I believe that when you get born again, 
and God puts his spirit in your heart, there'll be decisions that'll come from your heart. Jesus said, out of the heart proceed the issues of life. If your heart is filled with all kinds of wickedness, then that will come from your heart and life. But if God has put his love and his spirit and his word in your heart, then you acknowledge that and you want to follow Jesus. Amen. You may stumble a little bit now and then, but the more you look into the light, as Brother JP was teaching this morning from God's word, the less you'll be stumbling. Amen. Jesus said, if you follow me, you'll not stumble in the darkness. So we need to diligently make our calling and election sure. Now the word calling means you've been called. And I believe part of the call of salvation is to holiness. In the book of Hebrews, the Bible says without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. So I would think holiness is essential to salvation. Amen. Can anybody say amen? amen. Holiness is essential to salvation. The Bible says we worship God in the beauty of holiness. We lift up holy hands unto a holy God. God said, I'm holy. Be ye therefore holy. We are to walk in holiness. Isaiah said that it was a highway and it was a way of holiness. Walking up the king's highway is more than just a song. Amen? Though it is a song. <laughs> but holiness is the path of righteousness that the Lord leads us in. So we have things to look at that pertain to salvation. I like that word pertain. I didn't make it up. It's another Bible word. Amen. I don't, you know, I've learned something since I've been preaching. I don't have to make up words. There's enough words in the Bible that's very sufficient. The word of God is pure. The word of God is good. The word of God is saving. The word of God is sufficient. So the things the Bible talks about that pertain to salvation. Paul talks about those said, we are not of them that draw back under perdition, but we are of them that believe to the saving of the soul and have the things in their life that pertain to salvation. If we don't have anything in our life that pertains to salvation, there's a good likelihood we're not saved. Amen? Maybe we've been saved, but if we're no longer walking in it, we need to get back to the straight and narrow path. In verse 8, I believe it is. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that she shall neither be barren 
nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If these things the Bible tells us about are in our lives, then we're not going to have to worry about falling away from God. These are the things he said, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, on and on. And if these things are in us, the Bible says we'll never fall. Look back at verse 10. Wherefore the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if, that's the biggest word in the Bible. Amen. So much depends on if. It may not be the longest word, but it's one of the biggest. Two little letters. If you do these things, you shall never fall. That's how to make your calling and election sure. All right, now let's look at our service for God. Our service. Some people think, well, everybody can do just anything that they get in their mind to do. They can just do anything anybody else can do. Well, that's not true. How many of you know that's not true? God has a specific calling and ordination upon people's lives. Let's look at Jeremiah for a moment. Turn all the way back to the book of Jeremiah. In chapter 1, let me read about five or six verses. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, of the priests that were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin. Now let's, I'm sorry, let's read with beginning of verse 5. God was speaking to Jeremiah. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying in verse 4, Verse 5, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Well, I guess you could go on sort of a sermon right there about abortion. Well, some people say, well, it doesn't matter. They're not humans until they're born. I want you to know God knew you before you were born. Amen. God had plans for your life before you were born. Just because this is talking to Jeremiah doesn't mean it doesn't apply to all God's children. I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. Isn't it amazing that Jeremiah was set apart before he was born? Sanctified means set apart. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. You know, Jeremiah was kind of like John the Baptist and a lot of other prophets. God ordained him. Amen. So many people are concerned about a church ordaining somebody or an organization or a denomination giving somebody their certificate of ordination. Well, I believe there's a lot of men 
and some women too that have been ordained officially by some organization and don't even know God. Amen. Amen. They don't even know God, but they'll hand you or they'll put it in a big old frame on the wall. Look, I'm an ordained minister. But if they don't know God, who ordained them? The devil and his organization. But Jeremiah did not need man's organization. He didn't need a bunch of Pharisees up there laying hands on him and presenting him with a certificate of ordination. God ordained him. And I think that people ought to be more concerned with God ordaining them for a work specifically called out for God than what man can do for them. I, I, don't, I can't remember right off who it is, but I think there were several well-known preachers through the years that God used in a great way, and they never would even accept man's ordination. All right, let's get back into this. I ordain thee a prophet unto the nations. Now, notice this. He was ordained for a particular work. He was not ordained to be a priest. He was not ordained to be a king. He was not ordained to be a number of other things, but he was ordained to be a prophet. And I believe if God wants to ordain a man to be a prophet, that man will know about it. Some people say, well, the preacher told me I'm going to be a preacher. The preacher over there at that church, he laid hands on me and said, you're going to be a preacher or a prophet or an evangelist. Don't listen to him. Listen to God. God may tell that man, but he's going to tell you also. Amen. All right, let's go on now. I ordain thee a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, Ah, you know, I just realized something. For all my life, I've heard preachers get up and preach and say, they get saying, ah, and ah, and uh, and ah. I used to think, well, that, that's not real good. But I just found that word in the Bible too. <laughs> Jeremiah was one of them uh, and ah preachers. Moses was one of them uh, and ah preachers. Well, let's look at what Jeremiah said. Then said I, ah, wonder why he said that word. I don't even know what it means. Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I'm a child. I don't think he meant he was a child, like little Ezekiel's age or uh, little Lily's age or something like that. He's probably a full-grown man, and he thought, I, I just can't handle this. Moses had a similar situation. But the Lord, I like this term, but the Lord. You know, sometimes the Lord has to butt in on us when we're talking, amen? Amen. There's times when uh, the disciples, they got talking to carry on, and the Lord had to butt in on them. He had to shut them up where he could speak. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child. For thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. 
God wasn't going to listen to that. It kind of reminds me of one of my doctors. Uh, I don't know why I thought of this, but I went into the office one day and uh, the nurse was in there with a big needle and said, I'm going to give you a flu shot. And I said, I don't want my flu shot. And she said, well, let me ask you, doctor. So Dr. Shervu came in, who happens to be a woman from India, but she's a good doctor. She come in and she said, what do you mean you don't want your flu shot? You trust me to do other things for you, but you won't take a flu shot? I took my flu shot. I felt like a little child. I took my flu she had a strong word for me. You're going to take your flu shot. God had a strong word for Jeremiah. You are not to say I'm a child. You will take the words I put in your mouth and you will go unto the nations and speak my word. God had a definite work for a definite person. God called him to be a prophet. All right, let's go on to another man. John the Baptist. Oh, he's, he's one of my favorites. You know why he's one of my favorite? Because he was Jesus' favorite. Amen? Some people say, well, you, you shouldn't have favorite preachers. Well, Jesus did. I believe his favorite prophet was John the Baptist. Let's read what he said. In Luke chapter 8 and verse 28, But I say unto you, among those that are born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. But he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Jesus thought very highly of John the Baptist. But John was a humble man. They came to John and asked him, Are you the Christ? And very humbly he said, No. And they said, well, are you Elijah? And he said, no. And they, they asked him some more questions like this. And he said, I'm just the voice of one crying in the wilderness, preparing the way of the Lord. See, John wasn't concerned with all the titles. He didn't want the title Christ. He didn't even want the title or the name Elijah. Of course, Jesus had some different thoughts about the matter. Amen. Jesus said, if you will receive it, this was Elijah to come. Refer to John the Baptist. So John fulfilled the prophecies of the Old Testament. Uh, Malachi. Did you know, I've never heard of Malachi. Malachi was a prophet that God also called. Malachi prophesied about the coming of of Christ and the coming of John the Baptist. There were two messengers that the Bible speaks of in the book of Malachi. One of them was John the Baptist, amen, to prepare the way of the other messenger. Christ is called the messenger of the covenant. John declared and prophesied in his generation unto the people of Israel Behold the Lamb of God, who's taken away the sin of the world. Did you know John did not do any miracles? Elijah did. John didn't do any miracles. Some of the prophets and apostles that followed him did. But the Bible says John did 
no miracles. Yet he was the greatest prophet ever born of woman. You know, that, that makes me feel pretty good in a way because, you know, we don't, we don't go around doing miracles and signs and wonders to impress people all the time, but we can behold the Lamb of God. We can preach Christ. We can warn people about the coming of the Lord and the day of the Lord. We can tell people, thus saith the Lord, without trying to worry about well, what kind of trick am I going to impress the people with today. You know, a lot of preachers and a lot of prophets today, they have to be so concerned with how they're going to impress people. Well, I come to the conclusion, I came to the conclusion, I can't talk today, a long time ago, that as Noah in his generation did not impress anybody, amen, but he obeyed God. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah was faithful to his call. Noah was not called to build a temple, but he was called to build the ark. Amen. Amen. Noah was called to build the ark, and he was faithful to it. This, I can imagine a lot of preachers would say, well, I don't want to get my hands dirty. <laughs> Amen. I don't want to get my hands dirty. I had a good preacher friend of mine, uh, quite a few years ago, and he'd been in the ministry. I think he's dead now, but uh, he'd been in the ministry for a long time, and he was a good preacher. I love the brother. And uh, at the time, I was working at a hardware store in Marietta, and uh, he came in one day, and he kind of, I don't know why he's in there, but he just came in, kind of glanced around the tools a little bit. And I said, Brother, uh, can I sell you some tools over here? Uh, he says, No, I wouldn't know what to do with them. <laughs> I said, you wouldn't. I mean, he's, he's a big, strong guy. He wasn't a sissy, but he said, I wouldn't know what to do with him now. He said, it's been so long since I've done any physical work, I wouldn't know what to do with him. And, of course, I guess I'm getting like that myself. But <laughs> nevertheless, he said it's been such a long time. But there's a lot of preachers that it's not so much that's the problem. They're just too lazy to do anything. Amen. I had one preacher, I guess I've gone to gossiping, but I might as well finish it. This preacher friend of mine one time, uh, he called me up. Uh, he said, hello, Brother Reese. I, I was pastoring a church at the time. The reason he called me. He wanted an appointment to preach. But he says, hello, Brother Reese. How's it going? I said, going good. I said, how you doing? What you up to? He said, I'm full-time looking for a full-time church. And I thought, that doesn't sound right. If God called him, God would place him somewhere. Amen? God would put him somewhere if God called him. All right, let's get off of that. Tired of gossiping. Let's look at Paul now. And I might quit in just about a minute here. But I want to look at Paul. In Romans 1, verse 1, that's a good place to start with Paul. I want you to see how that uh, Paul knew his calling. Romans 1, verse 1, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. First of all, he was a servant. Before he could do anything, he had to be a servant. Amen. I believe every one of us are servants, first of all. The Bible says we are. In Romans chapter 6, 
we were servants of sin, but now we are servants of God. We have our fruit of the holiness and the end, eternal life. We are first of all servants. And then Paul said he was called to be an apostle. Now, everybody's not called to be an apostle. Paul asked this question one time. Are all apostles, do all speak with tongues? And he was, he was fishing for the answer that was no. Not everybody's called to be an apostle. Not everybody speaks with tongues. But we are all servants of God. We have a service to do. But let's get back to Paul. Separated under the gospel of God. In other words, in another place, he tells us he was, he was a preacher. A preacher. As well as an apostle. And he was separated. That means God separated him for the work. You remember when Paul and Barnabas were called to go out and to preach together? In the book of Acts, I think it is, I forget which chapter and verse, but it says that while they prayed and fasted, the Holy Ghost spake unto them and said, Separate me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work whereunto I've called them. The Holy Ghost calls. Now, the church, I believe, is commissioned to do what they can to help spread the gospel. But there's certain ones in the church that are called to do certain things. Can I preach about five more minutes? Can anybody say amen on that? Well, I won't do it whether you want me to. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, but I've got something I've got to tell you. Some people say, well, I can do as good a job as so-and-so can do. I can do as good a job as that teacher or that preacher or this, that, and the other. That's a dangerous attitude. Amen? It's a dangerous attitude. Have you ever read about Korah? I'm not talking about Aunt Korah. I'm talking about the Korah in the Old Testament that opposed Moses. You remember him? Look him up. Find out what he's about. The Bible tells us about Korah. He led a rebellion against the authority that Moses had. Amen? You remember that? He come against Moses. Well, they thought they could do a good job as Moses had. They probably could have physically, mentally, physically. You know, Moses getting old. Moses getting tired. He couldn't even hold up his arms any longer. He had to have a couple of guys hold his arms up. But I want you to know the difference was God didn't call Korah. You remember the brother and sister Moses? Aaron and Miriam? Oh, they said, we do as good as Moses can. Why, he don't know what he's doing half the time. He gets down and has to cry all the time to God. But we know what we're doing. We can handle it. We can say, oh, what happened to that? They had a little rebellion in their heart too. They come against their brother Moses. They said, we do as good a job as you can. They probably could have. They had knowledge. They had physical abilities and all these things. But the difference was God didn't call them. Amen. God didn't call them. And God got angry with Aaron and Miriam. 
I don't know how he chastised Aaron. I forgot how he chastised Aaron, but Miriam got leprosy. Amen? Miriam. I mean, she was Moses' sister. I mean, of all people, she was Moses' sister, and she got leprosy. Moses prayed for it. She finally got straightened out and all that. But uh, you see, the point is, the callings of God are from God. Now, you heard about preachers in the old days where they said, Mama called, Daddy sinned. But you see, Mama calls you, you're not called. Mama may call you to come eat supper, but Mama can't call you to go into all the world and preach the gospel. God's got to do that. There's got to be a calling from God. It's dangerous to set yourself up in jealousy, wanting the thing. Well, the Bible talks about in the New Testament, the brethren that like to have the preeminence. Jesus is the one that is to have the preeminence. And we are to humble ourselves as servants. God may not call you to be an apostle or a prophet or an evangelist or a pastor or a teacher, but there's plenty of other things. Amen? And I believe he'll give you joy. Amen? I do. I believe God will give you joy in whatever he puts you in. God may send you to Africa. I always prayed, God don't send me to Africa. And then I, I quit praying that because I thought, God might be listening. God might send me there just to spot. But nevertheless, I don't know the workings of God. If God so chooses, I'll go to Africa. But I hope he doesn't send me to Africa. I just don't want to go. You see, Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh either, did he? He finally went there, though, didn't he? 